0: Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Get select Ernie Ball strings three for ten. Save hundred dollars on a Fender Special Edition Strat, or get a Yamaha acoustic for just one ninety nine. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals available online and in store now through November first. Guitarthon only at Guitar Center. Find your sound. You are Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome in to another new episode of Locked On Rockets. I'm Ben Dubose, your host. With training camp starting next week, We're back to a five days a week show, and well, I hope you guys enjoy it because we're putting some good content out there, but one of the things that we're going to start doing is looking at how the Rockets stack up with other teams, because now that training camp's about to open, we can pretty much say with almost 100% certainty that most rosters are set. We know what these teams are going to look like, so it's fair to do some comparisons, particularly for teams that the Rockets are either going to directly compete with or those that the Rockets uh, just have big rivalries with. And when it comes to the Rockets' big basketball games and rivalries, the first team on that list these days is the Golden State Warriors. Of course, the Rockets have played the Warriors in the playoffs the last two years. And fortunately, the Rockets have also been eliminated by the Warriors in the playoffs the last two years, having lost eight of the ten games in the process. Now, barring something extraordinary like the Rockets' wildly overachieving or Golden State suffering significant injuries. I don't know that this is the year that the Rockets challenge Golden State. It seems the Rockets' upside would probably be limited to 50 to 55 wins, whereas the Warriors, after adding Kevin Durant to their nucleus of Stephen Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green, the Warriors are probably looking at, at another 65 to 70 win season, and really the only team on paper that has a chance of stopping them would be Cleveland. Very outside chance, San Antonio. So this year... Are the Rockets really going to push the Warriors in the playoffs? I don't know. But big picture, for the next three to five years, they are going to be the class of the West. And the Rockets with James Harden, they're going to be one of the main teams chasing them. And really, with James Harden under contract for multiple years, one of the teams that's best positioned to do so. So I want to look at how the Rockets match up with the Warriors, not just now, but in the years ahead with this new core, with James Harden, with Mike D'Antoni, and now, of course, the Warriors, with Kevin Durant added to Stephen Curry and the rest of the core that we just described. So to kind of take a look at this, I'm going to be joined by Danny LaRue. Danny LaRue is the host of Lockdown Warriors, but he also does a lot of other great things. He's a podcast host with Real GM Radio. He writes about the NBA for the Sporting News. Great follow on Twitter, at Danny LaRue. So if you guys will stick with me for just one moment, we're going to get Danny on and do a joint Rockets-Warriors episode, looking at how these two teams might stack up. Danny LaRue, how's it going today, buddy? Doing well. How are you? Doing all right. Ready for training camp to finally get here. Um, as part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, one of the things that across the network we've been doing more are crossover shows where hosts from two different teams get together. I've just kind of run through your background as the host of Locked On Warriors and, of course, a writer with the Sporting News, host with Real GM Radio, and... You know, the, the Warriors and Rockets have had some big playoff series the last two years. Of course, the Warriors have won eight of the ten games. But uh, they, shouldn't be, they shouldn't be real rivals going into this year, given that the Warriors are probably a 70-plus win team again. So I want to start off with a question less about the Rockets and more about the Warriors in general. Stylistically, if there is a team or a style that could give the Warriors any kind of trouble what do you think it is? And this could be anything from offense first to defense first, small versus big, uh, slow tempo versus up tempo. Is there any sort of a style that might cause the Warriors problems with this new roster, less depth, than well, more Kevin Durant?
1: There are a couple different things that can give them trouble. The biggest ones are actually more personnel-based, and I think we've seen that with the Warriors over the years, is that certain kind of guys give them trouble For Curry, it can be bigger players that are still agile. Avery Bradley, Contavious Caldwell-Pope are good examples. But from a team perspective, there are a couple of big things. One is being able to run and run effectively because the Warriors, and this will be true, I think, even without Andrew Bogut, they're a very good half-court defensive team. But their defense in, in transition isn't always that great. Sometimes they have guys that are cut out of position and... You know, it's it's a different thing. And so teams, incidentally, like the Rockets, might be able to take advantage of that. When the Warriors miss shots, of course, that'll be... We'll see how often that happens. But also running off makes can work against them. And then the, the other part of it, which is very important, and Cleveland was a good example of this, is that you need to be solid in all aspects. That means not turning the ball over too much, playing solid defense pretty much every possession. And so that baseline of quality allows you when that team is playing a really good night to beat the Warriors.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. It seems a little unconventional. I think anytime you see a team that plays the style the Warriors do with so much perimeter success, there's a tendency to think that the way to beat them is just be bigger, be tougher. And the Rockets in the playoffs the last two years would seem to be an example of that traditional thinking with teams that were kind of built around Dwight Howard and the interior presence. But what we saw, you know, it didn't play out that way. Really, I think if you want to beat the Warriors, you need a team that's, you know, as you were alluding to, more more efficient, is able, you know, running after makes is one strategy, but in general, just getting out in transition because there's such a good half-court defensive team. And there's a tendency, I think, among people that just follow the game superficially to think that, well, the Warriors are this... 3 point shooting juggernaut so can they really compete on a uh, can they really compete on a intense half court level and the answer is defensively yes they can so when you're the rockets a team like they've been the last few years with Dwight Howard, Donatas Pamitis, Josh Smith up front in some ways that kind of played into the warriors hands is that a fair assessment Sure.
1: I mean, you can go to that nth degree and actually work out pretty well. We'll get a test of that with the Utah Jazz this year, who have basically bet on being big that it could work. And Boris Diaw has actually been a player that has done well against the Warriors, so we'll see if they can actually improve maybe off of what they've done in prior years. But you do have to have that core competence. And a point that you brought up in terms of efficiency is also very important because the more efficient the opposing team's offense is, the less transition looks the Warriors get. And while we talked about their their weakness in transition defense comparatively, their transition offense is insane and will only get stronger with Kevin Durant as long as they can give those guys enough rest. And so the more you can do with that, and another big question mark, and the Rockets will play into this is, whether they're susceptible to offensive rebounding. There have been moments in the past where that has been a big issue. Tristan Thompson had some nice moments in both finals runs and Mozgov before they played him off the Mm -hmm. floor in 2015. And so if that works a little bit better against their new-look front line, that could be another potentially exploitable weakness.
0: Yeah. Efficiency is an interesting word because it ties into what I was going to ask you about with regards to James Harden. When you think of Harden's performance against the Rockets the last two years, particularly the two playoff performances, uh, I'd say it's pretty mixed. There have been some games in which Harden was absolutely breathtaking, you know, scoring 40 a game on 50% shooting from the field, just crazy numbers, crazy good. And then you have the other games, like Game 5 of the 2015 Western Conference Finals when Harden, of course, had 12 turnovers, the Rockets lost the game. And it's been my take that the Warriors are less concerned with you know raw scoring and more about the efficiency and this is a superficial way of looking at it but the way that i look at the way the warriors organize themselves against the rockets it's less about stopping james harden the scorer and more about stopping james harden the playmaker and you can say the same thing in my opinion about how they defended russell westbrook in this year's western conference finals and where that's cost houston in my opinion is that you know, yes, Harden, especially if he's on, he might contorch Clay Thompson and get his 30 to 40 points. But if he's not able to get the rest of the team involved, the Warriors feel like that over the course of a game, you know, their superior depth, their superior talent is going to win out. Um, I, I guess I'm curious how you see that because to me it's a it's a small but key distinction that, you know, while they're okay with someone like Harden or Westbrook getting their points, it seems like the emphasis is stopping their ability to, you know, get their teammates involved. And in the case of Harden, that means forcing more turnovers when he tries to do that. That's
1: certainly a reasonable way of looking at it. And it does depend a little bit on the talent, not only that player themselves, but depending on the, the other individuals, you know, like how good their surrounding teammates yeah. are. But with Harden, it's a particularly notable example because one of the differences between the Warriors and most teams is that they change the way they defend players over the course of a series. A lot of times that's actually because they start with a suboptimal thing and then they figure it out. That happened with Harden. They've changed defenders on him numerous times. Actually, most notably happened with Kyrie in the the finals where they started (laughs) with Curry on him and then eventually switched to Clay Thompson. But one of the key attributes of this Warriors philosophy is the idea of forcing tough shots. And there are certain individuals in the league who are really good at making those. Harden can be one of those, though he can be a little bit less consistent about it. He's amazing at getting to the line and things like that, but tough shots, it comes and goes with him. Kyrie's actually really good at that and was part of what killed the Warriors in Game 5 of the Finals. So it you those superlative individual guys can do that, but it really does hinge to a degree also on the surrounding talent, and that's why this Rockets team is so compelling, is because while... There are other deficiencies. They have a lot more capability offensively surrounding Harden now than they did last year.
0: Yeah, and that was what I was going to flow into is that, you know, the ultimate X factor for the Rockets this year is how much of Harden's inefficiency, these high turnover games, were because of poor decisions by him, and how much was because, well, he didn't have playmakers around him, so they were very limited with regards to how they could space the floor, um, have secondary creators, that kind of thing. And so when you're spilling some of the minutes from the likes of Corey Brewer with someone like Eric Gordon, and you're replacing minutes from Josh Smith with uh, minutes from Ryan Anderson, you've got a lot more playmakers on the floor. And in theory, that should make Harden a lot more efficient. Uh, it's really interesting what you said earlier about the up-tempo system potentially um, potentially being a good match against the Warriors. One of the other things that I'm curious about, the Warriors got all the headlines, of course, for getting Kevin Durant, but they lost a lot of depth in the process and we've seen a lot of guys, I can think of Matt Moore at CBS, who have been killing how how poor the Warriors bench looks. What's your view on the team's depth? Is the team's depth still quality or are there real concerns over, um, over how deep Golden State can go with its second unit?
1: It's a little bit more of a regular season concern, just because yeah. when you when you can play these guys 40-plus minutes in the playoffs, there just are not that many minutes to spare. But certainly, it becomes a larger thing if guys get hurt, because they don't have real replacements for just about anybody in that kind of a circumstance. Because when you think about an injury, and the Rockets, of course, have dealt with this in recent years, as the Warriors have a little bit less, is when you have an injury, not only are you losing that guy's minutes, but usually the person who you're scaling up, somebody else has to come and take their place. And that might in some ways be the biggest issue for the Warriors, is that if a player misses time, whether that, you know, Steph Curry is probably the worst case scenario, but whoever it is, that they might be able to even just survive just on superlative individual talent with those players. But when you have to slide other players into to to fill those gaps, it could create a really big problem. But as I said, I do think that is a legitimate thing to to hand ring about, but it is more of a regular season issue because even players like David West, who was very successful in the regular season last year for the Spurs, probably will not be a big part of their postseason rotation, depending on what Coach Steve Kerr decides to do in the playoffs, and that is really an open question, too.
0: Yeah. Another thing I'm curious about from the Rockets' perspective is the coaching. Of course, J.B. Bickerstaff's out. They now have Mike D'Antoni and a cast of pretty good assistants. It's interesting with regards to the Warriors because the Warriors— their turnaround year had Alvin Gentry, a D'Antoni disciple, as really the architect of that offense. So I'm curious what the growing pains were like when Gentry went to the Warriors. Uh, What was the transition like? How was his offense received? Basically, your reflections on what the the D'Antoni system or the variation of it, because of course it wasn't D'Antoni, it's Gentry, what that system did for the Warriors and what fair expectations might be uh, for the Rockets this coming season.
1: You used it in a different context, but the word expectations is probably the functional word here. And the reason for that is Mark Jackson, despite having deserving credit for changing the Warriors defensive philosophy, he didn't imprint in in this team the expectation that they should get good shots every time down. Mm -hmm. And the biggest change in the Kerr Gentry regime change, and at least offensively, was that they had to think about the way that their offense worked to a different degree, and that took a long time. There were players after that first off season that were saying, you know, after after they won the title, that there's still a lot more that we can do, and they went and they were the best offense in the league last year, so. It took a long time to really break that mold of saying, okay, this is a pretty good look. Maybe there are you know, 14 seconds left on the shot clock. I'll just take it. And you, part of how you have to change that is by actually doing it and just seeing the results. And it <laughs> helps to have guys as good as the Warriors have. But that will be true also this year with Durant. He's going to be asked to play a very different system than he has before that will probably task him with being a greater part of the offense than he has done in Oklahoma City not in terms of usage but in terms of moving the ball and that's an adjustment and so that was a big change and we'll see what D'Antoni's imprint is on on the Rockets but if it's something of that nature it can be good for everybody because the expectation that the ball will find you when you're open and you can make a good shot it does fuel players to engage more offensively and to play overall with more effort
0: good point um Turning to the other side of the floor, defense. I know a lot of teams in the past with their defensive stoppers. In Houston, that's considered Trevor Ariza, although Ariza's defense did slip a little bit last year. We can debate the reasons why. Uh, but still, even, even looking forward, is someone that certainly the Rockets depend on for defense. And in the past, if the games were meaningful— you would put Ariza on Stephen Curry for key stretches because Curry was that guy. He was the straw that stirred the drink. And so, if the other team had one of those wing defensive stoppers, a lot of the time he was where the man-on-man attention would be allocated. Now with Kevin Durant, and you know, yes, of course there were Clay Thompson and Draymond Green before, but neither Clay or Draymond has the individual brilliance that Steph Curry or KD has. I guess I'm curious. Would you anticipate someone like Ariza or Again, you can pick your stopper. You you know, Eamon, Shumpert, go with any other quality defensive player, you know, a regular two or three wing, your three and D guy from another team. Would you expect them to still spend time on Curry, or do you think that um – that Durant draws that kind of defender this year.
1: I hate to give the lawyer answer, but it really does depend on the player. Shumpert is a little bit smaller, and so he, he's pretty ineffectual on KD, just because Durant's tall. He's a legit yeah, seven-footer. True. And so yep. that is a constraint on some of those players. So guys like Aman will probably go on to Curry more often than Durant. But the real answer is that you're going to need two players, and there yeah. are not many NBA teams that can right. play that ha- can afford, especially with the general trade-offs that you have offensively, to do that. And there are a couple. You know, the Spurs could be one, and, and we'll see what happens in a couple other situations. If LeBron plays the way he did defensively in the finals, he could be another another team that can do that, mm-hmm. like, with with the Mon Shepard, as you just mentioned. And so we'll have to see how you how you handle that, and that also gets into the question of how the Warriors integrate. Actions that involve both Curry and Durant because if you get into those spots, most teams, even if you have two talented defenders, you can't switch that action. You know, you can't really put one of like that other good defender on the other guy. Like, let's use Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly's a wonderful defender. Yeah. Putting him on Kevin Durant isn't that useful, right? So, if you run a Curry Durant pick and roll, how do you handle that? Because you have to think about the worst case scenarios and the best case scenarios. And if yep. you consider the worst case scenario, the ball handler getting an open shot, then you're leaning towards switching. But if the result of a switch is that you get Patrick Beverly on Kevin Durant, then that creates its own problems. And so how aggressively they pursue those kinds of mismatches, and that's going to be a big question early, but it's also going to be a major question late. Because there is, with this team that has expectations of, you know, a championship or something of that nature, they could keep a lot of that under wraps, for basically the whole season because the regular season doesn't have much resonance for them.
0: Yeah. Um, Last question for me, as it pertains to the Rockets and the Warriors, I think we can both agree that even if the Rockets surprise to the upside and I could see them with the right health, good chemistry, pushing 50 wins and being, you know, a mid tier playoff team in the West, the Rockets are not going to challenge the Warriors this year, barring some sort of major injury to curry durant something like that i think we can agree that the rockets best case scenario is still not at that top tier with cleveland and golden state and maybe san antonio um but big picture the rockets and warriors certainly know each other very well they've played in the playoffs the last two years are the rockets a bigger threat now moving forward than they were four months ago And four months ago, of course, you had the team that finished 41-41, and Dwight Howard seemingly on his way out. Are the Rockets at all better positioned, not just this year, but the next few years, to potentially make a run?
1: It's tough because they arguably raised their ceiling, but they also lowered their floor. And when you're talking about them as a contender, like with, let's say, making the Western Conference Finals or beating the Warriors and making the Finals— that higher ceiling actually matters because a team is going to have to reach into that level to beat the best teams that are in the league right now. The Warriors, the Cavs, whoever else you want to put, the Spurs, you know, whatever. And so that could help them. You know, this the, they have enough offensive firepower to have games where they just beat teams, where they can win 130 to 122. And that's fine. You know, there is merit. If you get the W, you get the W. But those will be high-variance outcomes, because they just don't have the the overall talent. And a player that I would point to as being a, a real hinge point for the Rockets making any sort of jump in that direction is Clint Capella. And Capella mm-hmm. represents a player who can get a lot better than he was last year, and may, arguably that he is now. I haven't seen him, of course, this summer, because you need that sort of a step up from players to do it. And realistically, while last year was maybe a disappointment on the defensive end, James Harden offensively had a very good year. And of course, two years ago, won the player's MVP, finished second in the real MVP voting. And so it's hard to expect that he will be much better than that. So you need players like Capella and Eric Gordon to really step into a role to make them really dangerous to the best teams in the league.
0: Excellent take. Danny, thanks as always for the time. I know you can be found on Twitter at Danny LaRue. For those who aren't following me, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Dubose. Danny, thanks so much for the time.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Sure thing. That was Danny LaRue, host of Locked on Warriors, also an NBA writer for the Sporting News, and a host for Real GM Radio. Thought it was pretty good insight. If you're a Rockets fan, I think you should come away fairly encouraged by that because there's been a lot of questions about – can Mike D'Antoni's style win in this NBA? And I've always said that's a little silly because, well, the Warriors' style, really, Alvin Gentry was a descendant of Mike D'Antoni. They're using a lot of Mike D'Antoni's principles. So, yes, the Warriors themselves are living proof that a Mike D'Antoni style offense can win. And what I thought was really interesting, you know, yes, you want to hear that it can win, but there is a unique challenge with these Warriors, with someone, a team that's this top heavy, with Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green what weakness is there and so when you look at running after makes transition offense that leaves you feeling pretty encouraged because the one deficiency the Rockets have are they good enough in the middle do they have that true body that can just pound the Golden State inside but really what we've seen the last few years with the Warriors lineup of death is that they are able to scheme most of those traditional big teams those slower defensive-minded teams. They're able to scheme them out of being able to play that style. So if you want to beat the Warriors, you want to have any shot, it takes an ability to play up-tempo and beat the Warriors to some extent at their own game. Now, the Rockets still have a long way to get there. The team right now with James Harden surrounded by Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson, probably not enough offensively. You still need another star. We know that's what the Rockets are aiming for, likely in 2017 free agency. But you don't want it to be a huge jump. What you want is a building process. What you want is chemistry. And so, even if the Rockets don't quite have the manpower to take down the Warriors this year, I think the comments from Danny can show you that at least they might be on a better track than they were a year ago. Now, they could have a lower floor because, as he said, if this you know if this goes poorly, then you know you don't have that anchor in the middle, of Dwight Howard, to give you, in at least in theory, a uh, a floor being a 500 team, but the upside is there to be something more if this pans out because of the increased amount of playmakers on this team. And you're we talking about playing against historically great teams like the Warriors and really Cleveland, too, the team that just beat them in seven games in the NBA Finals. At least it shows you someone nationally in the NBA that has at least some respect for what Daryl Morey and the Rockets are trying to do. With that said, it's a good place to wrap up. Again, I'm Ben DuBose, this is Lockdown Rockets. You can always talk to us on Twitter, either at Ben DuBose or at Locked Rockets. You can always email us at lockdownrockets@gmail.com at gmail.com with any sponsorship or media questions. You can also reach out to the Locked On Podcast Network. It's now on Twitter at Locked On Network, and you can find a lot of great shows like Locked On Rockets, like Locked On Warriors, and well, like Locked On Texans as well. So there's a lot of good things going on in the Locked On Podcast community. We thank all of you for listening, and I will be back again with you very soon.
1: Ace is the place with
0: the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is 9 dollars and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.